everyone, this is Izzy, the founder of the blog and YouTube channel, A Girl's Two Sound Sense. You are currently listening to Sounding Out, the podcast where I speak to friends, from musicians to producers to zine makers and promoters, about their experiences as women and queer femme people in the music industry. As always, please don't forget to give the podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It would be super helpful to help more people hear the podcast, and it will also get me recommended on streaming platforms. Today's guest is a woman who requires no introduction. I got to chat with none other than Satomi Masuzaki from one of my favorite bands of all time, the endlessly prolific and critically acclaimed San Francisco indie rock legends Deerhoof. Satomi and I got to chat about her upbringing in Tokyo, Japan, breaking the rules of conventional musicianship, Deerhoof's forthcoming new single, and recent album regarding dystopian themes born out of the pandemic, being a self-taught bassist, and so much more. But before we get into this episode, I would like to remind my listeners that I am paying for the podcast out of pocket. So if you would like to help me make more episodes and maybe help buy me a copy, then head on over to my Patreon for unedited episodes of the podcast and more chill conversations with guests outside of the interview process. Those who join my Patreon will get access to patron-only video essays and exclusive voting power for future artists that I cover on my YouTube channel as well. So head on over to patreon.com slash girls to sound sense, that's girl with three R's, to subscribe. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Hi. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Good, how are you? Isabel? Yeah. Thank you for inviting me to the show. Of course. It's nice to meet you. Nice um, to meet you. How are you today? Good. <laughs> Nervous, but I'm good. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um, but I um, have always, I'm a longtime listener of uh, the band. Thank you. I am very uh, excited to be chatting with you right now. Oh, thank you. I'm excited too. So, so you grew up in, um, in Japan and then came to the U.S. to pursue mm-hmm. music. Yeah. So I was wondering if um, there's a very fond memory from your childhood where you recall music popping into your life um, in a particularly memorable way. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Tokyo. And, uh, you know, I, I was just, you know, normal girl you know, who listened to like a Japanese idol group, and, you know, and there was this uh, um, <clears throat> duo idol girls, like pop group called Pink Lady. And I was so into them. And, you know, I had a, a girl cousin who came over like every other day. So we had like, like hairbrushes, you know, and as a microphone and, my mom had a beauty salon, so after she closed the store, and we go in and we we you know dance and you know on couch you know jumping up and down and yeah that was like my my favorite things to do. So I always loved singing and you know I was into karaoke of course because like Tokyo you know karaoke place everywhere you know and that's how we you know kind of uh, kill time you know with friends after school. That's really cool. Um, yeah. 
definitely a relatable moment, like using the hairbrush as a microphone <laughs> as a child. Yeah, I know it's so fun. Um, it must be like surreal, like to, like when you like actually started performing for real, just like remembering that and being like, whoa, holy crap, I'm actually doing this. I know. <laughs> and, you know, it took so much time until I got to the point where I feel comfortable singing and dancing in front of people, you know. Like the first show, I was so nervous that, you know, we were in like Olympia or something, you know, where, you know, everyone was musicians there. Like we played in, you know, a basement of uh, unwound, you know, guitar player, you know, Justin. And, wow. and everybody there was like musicians. And I'm like, oh, this is my first show. And I don't know how to act in front of people. So I just like sat down, you know, my face down, looking at the bass and I was banging on bass, you know, making noise. And I mean, I couldn't remember, you know, I was like kind of passing out in my mind, like, I really wish this is over soon, you know, but yeah. So, so, but now I feel very comfortable, you know, more than just like talking like this, like I'm on stage and I don't know, I feel like it's like, uh, I don't know, just like taking a, I don't know, just like kind of fun lesson, you know, something, you know, like singing along with the band, you know, I feel like interaction is more focused than like showing or something. Like I get into the zone, you know. So that's that's so fun to be in a band. And I missed a lot, a lot you know, because we haven't seen each other for like a year and a half because of this pandemic and uh yeah i just thought thought like i miss my bandmates so much you know we, we play together and you know we're like a family yeah must yeah that must have been like so weird to have to be separate from for, from them for this long um yeah i was wondering like um so you've been with the band for like almost like over 20 years at this point um mm -hmm. and I was wondering sort of how um, the sort of evolution process, like um, if it's like an organic, like um, sort of shift whenever you guys make a different record, because you, you guys seem to like really sort of embrace like whatever style um, you sort of like drift towards and um, whether it's like, I don't know, like a prog avant, like synth record or yeah. Um, <laughs> a like a uh, post-punk kind of mm -hmm. leaning um album and I was I was sort of wondering like how you guys come to decide whenever you're going to make something new what like how it kind of how everything sort of fits together yeah I think it's partially uh, we all listen to different kind of music you know and so, like, when we just, like, kind of pile everything on top of each other, it just becomes so, so, like, a fusion of, you know, all kinds of music. And, and maybe we also listen to all kinds of music and, you know, we never decided, oh, we are reggae band or, like, we are hip-hop band or, you know, um, you know, we are, like, a, you know, Asian kind of, you know, um, you know band or something like that so so it's so free you know and I feel like it's cool that we don't like get into any category uh, you know like I wish like 
you know, our album is in every sections of, you know, the record store, you know, because the jazz section and rock section, but like, I, I would, would love to have, see Deerhoof in, you know, different sections. And, you know, I don't know, I think many people thought we are weird band in the beginning, and I, maybe they still think, you know, we are weird band, but, you know, for us, it's not weird, you know, because... I don't know, it just came out like this and, you know, feels like us, you know, or like it sounds like Diahuf, you know, like, or like we are so true to ourselves or like, you know, my mind, it's like that, you know. So, so I don't know. I think it's fun to be not in, you know, in genre. And, and I, I think our music, um, I don't know. Well, so that's why it's like never really set to certain kind of tone or, you know, um, crowd or something. Yeah, I and that's what I that's what I've always loved about the band, like that you guys are sort of very eclectic and don't really um, pigeonhole yourself into a certain like, I don't know, category or. Um, and uh, also you play bass as well, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering, like, because um, when you, when you joined the band, um, did you learn to play um, after that, or was it like slightly before that? No, after that, because I I never played instruments before other than harmonica at school, and uh, um, you know, in the beginning, it was a bass player and and Rob Fisk and Greg Sonier, you know, drummer. And in me, when I joined the band, they were looking for vocal. So I just joined the band as a vocal person. And then I just, I had a distortion pedal, my, my, like, you know, belt or something. And I pushed the distortion pedal button and I sing, you know, and then like this feedback and, you know, in a like high pitched voice or something. But yeah, so, so it changed over time. Like, because Rob started playing guitar and then they were like, oh, we need a bass, you know. And Satomi, how about just play E string, you know? <laughs> so like we started trying out just like E string or something. And I was just playing, moving only on E string. And then it started, you know, to be more fun to play bass. So, I, you know, I, I came, I started to come up with melodies or, or parts. So that's how it started. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And also, like, um, I imagine that was lo- probably long before, like, um, being able, being able, being able to like access um, all this information, because like you, you were, because you were just like learning sort of as you went along, like, mm-hmm. right? Because you so so you didn't have like tabs app or anything, and like <laughs> or anything. So, and I love like hearing these types of. Um, processes of when people just like uh, pick up an instrument and just sort of learn as they go like that's how Tina from Talking Heads started and then she became like one of the most iconic bassists of all time yeah I love Tina so like I was wondering so was that sort of like personally encouraging for you like knowing that so many DIY Mm -hmm. punk musicians who became legendary like sort of had to do the same sort of learn as they go thing yeah definitely and uh, you know I read somewhere that Kim Gordon started playing bass when she was like 
25 or something later in her life. And I thought I was too late to start playing instruments, you know, because like where, where I grew up, like, you know, it was very um, normal for like, not normal, but like common for uh, girls to have, you know, play piano, you know, have piano lessons when they're growing up and they were like three, four years old, you know, and, and if you don't start playing piano when you are, you know, young, then you are not welcome that, you know, to the music school or something. So I had this idea that it's always, you know, I, I think it was too late for me. But then when I moved to America, people are like, oh, you can play, you know, it's so easy, you know, just just start playing, you know, that the attitude towards music was so open-minded you know com compared to japan like because you think about as a job you know like you become musician means you make money or something so so the pressure from the parents is so high you know in but i didn't have that pressure and i felt so privileged privileged to be able to you know uh, move to san francisco and i met these great people you know who are like very encouraging you know just just try out, you know, and and then gave me bass. I mean, I didn't buy anything, you know. So 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 it was like everything was like so like fun for me. It was like activity after school. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good way to look at it too. Just being like the like it's something fun and something like to put like as to use as a creative outlet and also like make music. Um, mm -hmm rather than something you take too seriously. Because the minute you take something too seriously, then it stops being fun, right? Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, it's, it's important that, you know, we all got along. And so we ha we enjoyed this activity. Like, I went to City College in San Francisco. You know, that's, I mean, I wanted to become a film director. So, so Diahoof was, you know, kind of a side project, you know. So, so I wanted to make friends, you know, I... I didn't have friends when I moved there. So so after school I went to Diahoof practice and then like they like Greg and Rob made me like dinner, like beans and like bread and stuff. So <laughs> at the same time like they fed me and you know you know we play music and uh, it was very healing for me, you know, or like just it, it was pure like I don't know you know, like a, like, a, you know, party or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> like a, every, every week, you know, three times, a, you know, a week party or something. Definitely. Yeah. I'm also curious about your um, creative evolution um, because mm -hmm. I feel like uh, we all have that moment where we're like um, going down the rat, the budding music geek rabbit holes and um, just like, finding all these different records yeah I you know when I was like early teens I was like metal kid I mean I was so into heavy metal you know in Japan the heavy metal was so big at the time too you know, like late 80s you know and then um all these like metal bands came to Japan and you know so so it was so exciting you know and uh, for me it was so like I liked the, this rhythm and banging heads and, you know, with like a double, double tap, you know, bass drums and stuff. And I, I don't know, I just, that, you know, so that really was maybe my real entry to like, like a music, you know, of course I liked all these idol groups, 
before, but then the metal, I became like so obsessed, you know, and I, I bought magazines and I, I couldn't read English, but I, I tried to use, you know, dictionary and like try to read what this interview said, you know, and, uh, you know, wearing like, like I am made in t-shirt and like, yeah. So, so that was like big influence on me, but then I went to England for my high school. And so, you know, then I had time weekend to go to record stores, you know, like rough trade in London or something. And that's when I started like really digging, you know, like other kinds of music. And I was like really excited about finding music and, you know, collecting records and stuff like that. So, so I think then like really, really into music. Yeah. Um, what were some of the, um, are there any specific like um, sort of movements or genres like at the time that you really gravitated towards? Yeah, I, you know, I listened to like many, many different kinds of things like because I was just trying to find what's out there, you know. And so I, I just started from like alphabet A to, you know, just... <laughs> But, you know, I was, like, into Sonic Youth. I mean, I, I also listened to, like, you know, um, British group, like, Vaseline's or, you know, like, um, you know, pastels and, you know, like some Glasgow music, of course. And, and like, uh, I, I listened to Smith, you know, and danced to Smith with my friends in dormitory. And uh, I went to see Nick Cave concert in London yeah and I got detention like how how do you call it I I had to <clears throat> I, I got punished because I didn't come back to the dormitory school you know for the closing time you know because I went to the concert <laughs> but yeah I was really music fanatic you know when I was in high school like I I'd rather be at the concert than like you know studying at night you know but but I, I you know I like really really like started listening to like American music maybe west coast music uh when I went back to Japan after high school and uh I this is my favorite record store there are still friends of mine in Tokyo and uh it's called Los Apson and they carried all kinds of you know great music like you know girls band from west coast you know and mm. yeah I, like so, so that's how i knew all these q rock stars bands and you know all like uh you know funny lo-fi like guitar bands like you know in san francisco los angeles or hardcore punk band or yeah uh, a noise band you know from japan so then I met, you know, this uh, band called Carolina Rainbow from San Francisco when they came to Japan and Los Apson was, was curating the shows. And, and so I went and I became really good friends and, with Carolina Rainbow and they invited me to just come to San Francisco, you know, we'll take care of you. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and then I went and they really took care of me, you know, and they introduced me to Deerhoof and that's how I joined the band. Yeah, that's, that's amazing, like, to just be, like, because imagine if you hadn't taken that trip to San Francisco, I know. like, that, uh, what would I, yeah, like, that's, like, funny, like, how random, like, some of the most significant things, like, come into our lives, mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, 
That's such a cool story. Um, yeah. I just felt people were so genuine. Like I, you know, I, I trusted them right away when they really, you know, I felt like they meant it, you know, like come over and we'll have fun, you know, and I trusted good people. I, I feel like I had a good, uh, I don't know. I was lucky. I'm also curious about how um, your sort of um, life experiences mm-hmm. and um, personal um uh experiences have informed uh your music if they have at all or if you like to keep that um separate or if you like to sort of find an intersection between yeah yeah I mean what do you mean by like life experiences like like uh anything like Um, I feel like yeah anything whether it be personal identity or Mm -hmm. um I don't know life trajectory um if any of your personal experience sort of ever translated to the music? Yeah, I think, you know, I left, I moved to, uh, I mean, I went to high school in England when I was 15, which is quite early, you know. Um, and I feel like I travel around the world after that. So, you know, in early, you know, teen and stuff that really made me really, I don't know, opened up you know I I wanted to see more people or different kinds of people like a, you know different uh, uh, place or um, I wanted to meet people from all over the world you know so I was like I don't know I think maybe uh, that was good for me that I didn't stay in Japan for you know long time I and I I still have friends in Japan and I of course I appreciate the Japanese culture and stuff but then I feel like I have appreciation in other cultures too you know like so now I like I I like to I I understand like both sides which seems a big advantage for me you know like when I speak in English with you know people like if you are translated then if they are translated then the meaning quite like changes a little bit you know now i see like uh you know movies uh, and i understand english but when i see the subtitles in japanese movie theater you know that the meanings are slightly different you know so i feel like i really understand what they mean or you know so so I don't know, that really changes the way I want to make music too, because I understand like both cultures. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, When you mentioned like that, that sometimes the translations change meaning, like with movies and stuff, are you ever like reading subtitles and being like, what did that just translate? Did that doesn't make any sense? (laughs) Does that ever happen? Yeah. Yeah. Like some strong language doesn't exist in Japanese. So it sounds so corny when it's written, you know. <laughs> so that the, I, I think people don't quite understand how strong the language is, you know. So the extremeness, you know. So I, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I wish I could learn more, more languages and I, I tried, but I mean, it's so difficult. <laughs> I have to live in a country to be able to to learn the language you know like yeah yeah I'm curious I'm also curious about how your um how being a professional musician has 
sort of changes the way you listen to music, if if at all. Um, because I I've watched a lot of like interviews for some of my favorite musicians, and I find that they often say, "Oh, I I have because I'm playing music all the time. I just I'm more picky, or I have very sensitive ears now." Um, but I was wondering what that's like for you, like listening to music now as like and also professionally playing it. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of、um, common, but but I try not to judge music so much now that I, I'm on their shoes. You know, like I understand that, like I'm I try to understand their point of view, even though if I don't like their music, you know, that's not the way to listen to the music. You know, so I try I try to go go see shows that I wouldn't go if or I don't know. I just like. Pick something, you know, to try to listen to different kind of music, you know, and I, I, it really it's good for me, you know,、um, just just as a person too, you know, just try to understand. That's a really nice way to look at it for sure, because yeah, I feel like、um, so many music circles、um, can be so I don't know,、um, just be like, oh, I only. Like this, because this is on like a higher plane than this, and I'm just like, why? Who decided that? You know, <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I mean, I love all. You know, like it doesn't need to be high. I mean, I like all kinds of music. You know,、uh, could be hi-fi, could be lo-fi, or you know, no pedals or many pedals, whatever. You know,、uh, I'm not a gearhead too, so I usually skip all these interviews about explaining about what's this like the gear stuff. Like、yeah, gear nerd stuff because I'm not gear nerd, but but my my bandmates are, you know, they can like they can go to them and they they can explain this stuff. But I'm more kind of listening through my brain, you know, not not so about like what they have, you know. Yeah, since you said that you have sort of been a little isolated from the rest of the band during like the pandemic and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering, like, so you guys um released a future teenage cave artist in 2020. Actually, we we recorded during lockdown.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we recorded partially before, but I, you know, we do rewrite and stuff because we couldn't get together. We had to send files to each other. So sometimes you know I you know people get file and they're like, oh, I I want to rewrite this part, and so we had to like do. A lot of like, you know, revisions or whatever that you know happened during pandemic, and so that's why the the concept was like you know caveman kind of like we are stuck, and we have to survive. You know, like、yeah. what what do we do? You know, and you and so that's why I you know I we came up with this concept, and so I started drawing the album cover. You know this like. What can save us? You know, like iPhones. You know, all this technological advancement. I mean, it's not gonna work. You know, like it's not working right now. And and while we are like stuck there, and then then this like disease taking over. You know, attacking us. And and all. You know, we need to to. How do we? You know, get through this. You know, that was the concept. So that's why I was drawing that. You know, like、mm. iPhone and like. The, the the monster you know which is the the disease and and this、uh, praying man you know who was 
who got attacked by this disease from the back, you know. Mm. But this man is praying, like, blindlessly, you know, because of this, like, all the rituals or the myths they were following. And then maybe, you know, maybe we need to rethink about this old myth too, you know, to match up or to survive, you know. So so it was all these kind of a questions like we were having during pandemic. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that concept was definitely like present in like a lot of the um, tracks and everything. I was also like curious about how you came up with some of these song you guys came up with some of these song titles too like oh ye saddle babes new orphan asylum for spirited dear <laughs> yeah, children yeah. yeah yeah but that one like greg came up with this title so yeah it's really yeah funny titles <laughs> yeah and um what was like i don't know coming up with some of the like lyrics like like i remember the first my first listen i was like rewind that back what did she just say why would you shoot my bambies <laughs> um, oh he was because you know the black lives matter i mean that the that was going on when i was writing that uh-huh. lyrics and then you know like why do you you know kill these people you know they're the bambis you know the innocent you know so that's i was like referring bambis you know mm. as a you know, people, you know, our people. Yeah, I feel like that's a great metaphor too. Like no one likes like thinking about the fact that Bambi's mom died. And also like during the Black Lives Matter surge during the pandemic, it definitely felt like it was like there there have been so many discussions imagining like w- like would it would it would it have taken off like this if there was no pandemic and people were able to go about their day with with distractions and stuff because it was so like unprecedented seeing like the sort of surge of resistance that happened and yeah yeah but yeah i think i i, I think yeah it was the time that you know the people really yeah uh, you know didn't have anything else to do and uh you know, as far as I, I'm, I live in New York and I, you know, I went out to, you know, to join, but not in, not in, in the, you know, crowded march, but in, along, you know, with my bicycle, you know, cause just trying to stay, <laughs> to stay safe and stuff. But it was very peaceful march, but, you know, it was nice to feel that, you know, we are together, you know, we, yeah. we it was a big movement and, you know, every trucks were like, you know, like, boo-boo you know like encouraging us the march and you know mm. instead of complaining because nobody was in hurry to go anywhere yeah so that was yeah so I, I enjoyed that march a lot I also picked up on a lot of um sort of apocalyptic themes like in the album especially I was sort of wondering when that first light bulb sort of sort of went off like oh we should um do something about we should um use like cave people as a metaphor for like the isolation and the impending doom and everything and also like the drawing that you did on the album cover was that done like on a whim or did you plan to to draw something to make the cover yeah, I, I we we talked about the concept of the yeah, the cave artist and uh, you know Greg you know uh, and I were I before pandemic you know um, we had practice and then we were reading magazine about this cave artist you know like the the, the cave art you know so like 
so so that's how you know it inspired inspired us you know when uh we came up with this title but uh yeah so that's why like the you know i we had this concept and yeah just uh, about the uh, survival in you know in this isolated situation and and uh yeah so so that's what i drew like all this you know possible dangers around us and then how to win over this powerful man you know during this pandemic yeah and then the like the flashlight monster too i love that as yeah. well and also i was wondering what kind of sort of shifts you noticed about how um aside from like having like file share and everything um when you guys were in the recording process what have you noticed about the shift of how um our indie artists have been operating during the pandemic that has sort of been like did you find any of it like sustainable um in a way like a digital like streaming and things like that yeah sort of the hyper digitization yeah. of everything and how that sort of got kicked into even higher gear during the pandemic yeah yeah, yeah. I-, I felt so behind looking at those because you know I mean it's quite difficult to get all these things you know work together you know like I don't know if it's part part of what you're talking about but I thought that the band camp you know they had a um you know uh once once a month you know free uh how do you call this like the the musicians get the 100 percent uh benefit you know uh mm-hmm. profit that was I think good I'm like many of my friends participated in that and you know we also did that too you know but uh you know, I think whatever you can to uh, make you your living, I think it's great. You know, I I wouldn't, I don't think, you know, it's bad at all. You know, like people trying to make a living, you know, I, I feel bad. Like if you have to work the second job, if you're a musician and that's what you want to do. And why do you have to, you know, work at the, you know, grocery store where you don't even want to be you know yeah um I think whatever you can do to yeah just survive you know I I really totally (laughs) encourage you know if it's not crime you know yeah definitely I feel like I was talking to um one of my friends who um is running a label and um one of the things that um she told me when I asked her about like the the massive like shift during the pandemic she was like I think like just I think blockchain is definitely going to be the future of all this like distribution and everything especially if people are not really able to like be in a room together and Uh yeah um but I and I fully agree like the whole thing about like trying to make a living and um and also do your creative pursuits mm-hmm. that's what you want to do like it, it really sucks that in especially in the U.S. like that's not really encouraged mm-hmm. it's it's like oh you're having fun doing this well too bad get up and work that nine to five job because you need to pay the rent like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Really, it sucks for yeah sure. It's so, it's sad, you know, because, uh, yeah, because the time, you know, your life is short and you want to do what you want to do. And, uh, you know, you, 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 I mean, 
it's already so busy already, you know, trying to cook, you know, and eat and, you know, maybe you need to grow your own vegetables because who knows, you know, like maybe the food in danger, you know, like you, mm. you, you <laughs> maybe you don't get food anymore, you know? So I, I don't know, just, just really trying to, like we have to find a way, new living, you know, we, we, it's good to know that, you know, that the survival skill that, you know, I've been working on kind of, it's working like for me, you know, not, and I feel, you know, lucky, but, you know, I, I wish, you know, everyone can, you know, like enjoy, you know, the way the new living. Yeah, definitely. And I also wanted to ask you about um, how sort of what some of the most valuable principles um, that it's been important for you to sort of like maintain as an artist um, as you um, progressed with the band um, because you guys have been like um, on top of it for like 20 years now and you st and you're still like able to find those how do I word this? I guess like y y you guys aren't afraid to try new things all the time, which is very refreshing. And e I feel like even in so many indie bands, like they can, they can easily water themselves down over the years um, or, or decide to sell out. But you, but you guys seem to have like maintained that like sort of creativity first DIY ethos. And I was wondering um, how, um, what that's like for you and what sort of like has what you feel has allowed you guys to sort of maintain that going forward. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's so hard to even maintain to, to stay as a musician. I mean, we, you know, I don't know these days what the sellout means, you know, because it's like mainstream and the indie and everything's just in the same kind of I don't know you know who's more popular you know my youtuber or like like it's really hard to 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 see you know what the sellout is so I don't really know what the sellout music sounds like now but but yeah we I mean we are trying so hard to stay float you know so so it's not easy for anyone and uh you know, I'm glad if it comes across like, you know, we are like still like, you know, not like, you know, we are still making music that's not, how do you call, like uh, trying to make people, like begging people to like our music. You know, we, we still make music, that, but, but we are trying to make music that people like. It's, it's not like we yeah. are trying to make music, music that people don't like. And sometimes people, it comes across like we are trying to make music that people don't like, which is not true, you know, like <laughs> it's trying so hard, you know. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. It's, um, I mean, I hope people like this one because, and the new one's coming up in October uh, called Actually You Can and I, we all really love this new album and uh, I mean we're hoping more people would listen to you know not the same people all the time I mean of course the same people too but also like we like more people to listen to our music yeah definitely you sound authentic I guess is the uh -huh. right word because yeah. I feel like 
audience, like you said, you're not even sure what sellout means anymore. And to be honest, I'm not, I'm not sure either, but, <laughs> but like, I guess, um, I guess, um, the, the right way to word it would be like that, um, audiences, like audiences and music listeners are, are often pretty good at detecting when something is and isn't genuine, like when oh, it comes across. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I feel like you guys have sort of been able to sort of maintain that sort of like whenever you put out a record, it's clear that it's something you guys wanted to make, I uh-huh. guess. Well, that's very nice to hear. I mean, I feel like really, you know, complimented. I'm also something that I aim to do with the with the show in this platform is to um, highlight amazing um women, um, POC and queer artists in the Mm -hmm. industry. And I was wondering if there were any, um, new artists, um, or current like bands that you're really into, um, with women or queer people at the forefront that you feel like everyone needs to hear. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, we tour with many, you know, women musicians and, uh, you know, uh, before pandemic, we toured with Sad thir- Thirteen. You know, Sadie. Yeah, she's great. You know, and uh, I really like all her, you know, projects she she does. And you know, she has really, she has so many things to say. Say, and she's very smart. And you know, her music is you know so fun to listen to. You know, and it's very. I don't know. The, the spirit is you know just so infectious you know like you know live shows and stuff yeah I don't know many new artists because the pandemic I haven't really you know been out you know but uh, um, two days ago I went to see uh, a Slater Kinney oh wow yeah you know they were like they were we were on the same label before in Q Rockstars you know and this year, Q Rock Stars is celebrating 30 years anniversary. Yeah. So, so I was talking to Carrie, you know, uh, uh, leader Kinney. And I, I mean, I saw their concert and, you know, Hurricane came and they had to stop after six songs. But uh, it was a great show. And uh, they were having so much fun, you know, with the new people in, in the band, you know, with, you know, Fabi from She Shreds magazine, you know, mm. she was playing guitar and she was like jumping around and calling. And I mean, I mean, I just like, I remembered like last time I saw them was like 10 years ago and, you know, they were always fun. And this time they, you know, even more energy, you know, after like this many years and, you know, I, I still love that, you know, like energy, you know, like Slater Kinney, you know, still great band. And, you know, I was like, yeah, we talked and I don't know, we were like, oh, let's tour together, you know, sometimes in the future. And, you know, I love these people. And I feel so like, like excited, you know, to go back. Yeah, I bet. Um, where did you see them perform? What venue? Yeah, it was a Forest Hill Stadium oh, in cool. uh, Queens. Yeah, it was outside. Nice. Yeah, the oh, hurricane. They're, they're, they were doing, uh, was that with Wilco? Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I love, um, fun fact, I actually, um, 
my uh, thesis that I wrote when I graduated from college um, mm-hmm. was about rock stars that uh-huh. helped, that helped me cultivate my self identity growing up, and one of them was Carrie. <laughs> oh wow, that's yeah. great! Yeah, she's so funny, and you know, I mean, it's great guitar player, and you know, just yeah, it's so fun. Like I always like enjoy you know their live shows. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, um, we covered their song too for this Q Rock Stars anniversary. Oh, which song? Do you have a uh, 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 Don't Talk Like? Oh, cool. Yeah, but nice. you, you can listen. Uh, I think it's on YouTube and stuff. But yeah, uh, it was so fun to cover that song. And call, uh, you know, Carrie said they never played that song live before. Wow. So, like, Next time, I really want to hear live because <laughs> now I know all the lines, you know, I, I sang all this. Yeah. Nice. Um, oh, I just came up with a nice follow up question. What uh, song? Um, what's a song that you're that you love to cover in the future? Love to cover in the future. Uh, I don't know. I never thought about it. Cover. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly bikini, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just cover uh, the bikini kill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Kill Rock Stars band, I mean, you know, um, yeah, I, would, you- I would cover. If Deerhoof decided to like do a live set like compilation of that old Kill Rock Stars compilation, I would listen to that. If you were, <laughs> if you guys were to record that, that'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, we we covered a bunch of them, like Lilliput. You know, we 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 covered Lilliput song too. And uh, yeah, Kill Rock Stars have so many good good bands. You know that you know we love to cover. Yeah, really. Um legendary like stuff like anytime I see like a band I've never heard of and it says they're from Olympia I'm like okay I'll give it a listen (laughs) this is probably going to be worth my time (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. it's quite amazing that Olympia scene you know happened like uh, yeah it was a small town I you know I I went there you know for the first time and I'm like Olympia it's this small you know yeah (laughs) It, it almost feels like like really tiny like um suburban or like rural or like desolate yeah. towns seem to be a great breeding ground for amazing music um mm-hmm. and it I was like no venues i mean they were like very like one or two not real even real venues you know and they they like when we played like you know we had to rent this like a uh, town hall or i don't know some kind of uh you know community hall or something and and uh, yeah it was so many diy you know music shows happening like multiple in this that small town all the time it was very energetic and it was it must have been so fun to you know grow up there you know in the early or late 80s or like early 90s yeah i love reading like like books about um that time and like watching all the documentaries Mm -hmm. um 
Cause it's so interesting too. like, I'm mad. Like if I had to travel back to a certain time, I would love to be in a band that was based in Olympia. That'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah. So basically you just need to move there and live there and then you have a band suddenly because you're friends with everyone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everyone knows each other. Yeah. 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 It's great. Um, and I also um, wanted to ask you if there was anything else that you would like to plug um, before I let you go. Um, any future projects, um, any like social media handles or anything like that? Yeah, I, I mean, the Dear uh, we are releasing album, new album called Actually You Can in October. And uh, that's going to be out yeah, in two, two months. And then uh, I'm going to, I'm going to perform a, a singing in uh, opera next year uh, in uh, this, uh, um, uh, do you know Du Yun? She's uh, a contemporary uh, musician and she writes opera and stuff. Yeah, it's very heard, like. I've heard the name before. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm going to be, you know, singing in part of her opera next year. That's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. It's a, yeah, so it's a kind of big project with like props on stage. Seems like, you know, I just saw the, the concept, you know, sheet and stuff and, I mean, she's she has these big ideas, you know. <laughs> not not like you know, like I'm like I usually play, you know, bass and having fun on stage or recording, but this one's gonna be like more, you know, dress rehearsal and all that kind of stuff. So. Nice. So I'm I'm excited to be part of it. Yeah, and then she's you know Asian and I'm Asian, and it's kind of fun to work with you know um, Asian community too. So you're gonna be doing like a proper like like theatrical like stage production I think so yeah that's really cool yeah nice. I know <laughs> so lucky like you know it's exciting like a, a kind of like you know it's a theater you know I mean I'm it's rare opportunity for me to to participate in theater that's exciting well um I'm looking forward to the new album for sure. Thank you. And um, thank you so much for joining me. Um, oh, thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of not so great at, at talking. <laughs> I hope, you know, I made sense. You know, I, I was nervous. So my, my you know, thoughts were like kind of uh, fragments and, you know, here and there. Don't worry. No, I, I had a blast chatting with you. So oh, I'm thank glad you. that you joined. And um, I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. Thank you so much for thank you know, you. being patient and <laughs> listening to me. And <laughs> so nice right. talking to you. You too. Have a yep. nice rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Sounding Out. And thank you to Satomi for joining me. Remember to subscribe to my YouTube channel. My blog is izzyshutup.com. My Instagram page is at a girl's two sound sense. And my Twitter is at misanthropei. Make sure to check out my Patreon. I would be so grateful and you will also be acknowledged in all of my YouTube videos as a thank you.
Thank you once again for listening, and I'll catch you all in the next episode. Thank you.